Hi, everybody, and welcome to our first Get Coach series on the Inside Journey podcast. This is going to be a little different than what you're used to because, as you know from our past, we love to interview interesting people and then do some teachable episodes on the lessons we learned from those interviews. But we thought we'd shake it up in the interest of just, you know, being a little different and adding something new that you haven't heard before. So we are going to be coaching people live with real life challenges and issues that you all face a lot because, you know, Kim and I coach people day in, day out, and we wanted to pick people that really represented the kind of common pain points we all face. And so we're going to coach these people. And as a result, you're going to gain some new tools and strategies that you can use in your own life. So you can't imagine how thrilled Kim and I were when Diana reached out to us with two major problems we see day in, day out that we wanted to help her with. The first is she was saying yes when she wanted to say no, not being able to set great boundaries with her clients. And every time she got this constructive feedback, she would get all stressed and reactive and it was just not fun to get the feedback from her clients. So that is what we are gonna coach her on in the episode you're about to hear. For everybody listening, grab a cup of tea, get out your notepad, because we are going to be sharing with Diana and with all of you some very powerful tools that we love to use in our coaching practice. And you're going to hear that these tools really help Diana to transform the way she sees feedback and the way she is able to set healthy boundaries with other people. So if you're someone who struggles with setting healthy boundaries in your life, or you're someone who tends to say yes when you really want to say no, or you have a hard time staying open and receptive to feedback, this is the episode for you. So hello, everybody, and welcome, Diana, to Inside Journey Podcast. We're so excited to have you. Thanks for having me. Oh, my gosh. And here we are, a brand new kind of shaking it up, Kim, Get Coach series. You know, for all of you who've been listening to us, we usually have really interesting people that we interview, and then we do some teachable moments. But we thought, how fun would it be? to bring real live people on that are going through a lot of really common issues that we all face. And Kim and I get to coach. So Diana, when we had you reach out, when you reached out, we noticed two of the big kind of pain points you're dealing with right now as a consultant is setting boundaries with your clients and also working with some of the emotional aspects of when they either give you feedback or they do certain things, that reactivity and this desire to like get underneath it and understand, gosh, why is that triggering me? And what are some tools that I can use to be more centered in my work each day? Completely accurate. And I find that it really can get in the way of everything, concentration, the work, you know, if you're just distracted by feeling attacked or criticized or anything negative. It just sort of wrecks it all. So it's amazing how we can go from (laughs) calm, cool, and collected. We get an email. All of a sudden we're like skyrocketed to a 10. We're furious or frustrated and we can't think nearly as clearly or creatively when we have that that triggering event. And for all of our listeners out there, while you may not be Diana, so many of the people that we coach in business are facing similar challenges around how to set healthy boundaries with people, how to assert yourself without being aggressive and without being 
being passive. You know, we're going to look at what does that look like? We might even have Diana try out a couple of things. You know, we're going to use some really powerful tools that we use with our clients and we're excited to share them with all of you as we share them with Diana too. So, so with that said, Diana, would you just give us a quick lay of the land, just specifically, what are your pain points? What triggers you each, not each day, but you know, in general right now? Sure. So as a consultant, I work with often five or six companies at any given time. And typically, you know, I'm a writer and an editor. And so for some people I do content strategy. Sometimes I'm just writing or editing existing documents, but it's relatively ad hoc. I don't have specific set hours and I don't, it all works. And it's, it's amazing that it all works without really strict guidelines. Occasionally I've been on retainer with a client sort of half time. And that's a different story because you actually have to set boundaries, but the rest of them, I just let it all work out. It's like, Oh, I know what I'm supposed to be doing this week. And anyway, so (laughs) you let it flow. I let it flow. And that's just the way I am. I'm a real improviser in life. I just kind of, you know, that, and that's the nature of writing in a lot of ways. It's a little bit of science. It's a little bit of art and you just kind of mush it together. So I have, I think I need to bring a little bit more science to my consulting practice. Uh, (laughs) What pisses you off or what triggers you? Well, Mm-hmm. You know, I think what happens is if anybody asks for something, I say yes. So, if, you know, if they'll be like, so when can you get this back to me? And I'll say, when do you need it? Uh-huh. <laughs> and they'll be like, Tuesday. And I'll say like, in my brain, I'm just like, yep, I'll just make it work. And so I'll basically just agree to do things. And then I have to write myself lists at the end of every day. And I kind of put it into a schedule and figure it out day by day. Anyway, it's, it's chaos. Now I just sound like a crazy person, but, but it sounds like there are times where you are, your natural instinct is to say yes. When maybe there's another part of you that knows that I shouldn't be saying yes right now, or I should be saying, yes, I can get it to you, but not until next week versus this week. Or delaying that decision to just say, let me let you know by the end of the day, which doesn't come to mind. You know, what comes to mind is like, oh, you need it by Tuesday? I can get it to you by Tuesday. Yeah. And so, Diana, what's the cost or toll of this pattern on you? Like, what triggers you when your clients do something? Because you're in this pattern, what pisses you off then? Well, so, for example, today's Tuesday. Uh, I have three things due at the end of the day that are all kind of high stakes and when you're writing for a client, sometimes the ideas just don't come. And, you know, for example, I'm coming up with ad campaigns. I'm writing scripts and I have to come up with three different concepts. This is just for one of the three clients. And I'm trying to think through different scenarios. Like there's a businesswoman in the airport. And so I have to do, ideation can take a lot of time. And if if in there I know, oh, and now I have to meet with this guy, another client I have to meet with at one, and he wants to talk about his latest blog post and he's get delivered an outline. And so what happens is I have all of these things kind of competing and there's this pressure that rises and I just want to make everyone happy. Also, today is my husband's birthday, so I have to get, I have to get a cake. Oh my goodness! So it sounds like one of the I mean the cost or toll is that it it probably impedes your creative process right? Because you need some of that space. And it definitely heightens my anxiety. So I'm the one who suffers. You know, I don't get to go on a walk today because, you know, it just, 
Yeah. Those types, it probably does affect the ideas, the creativity. These We impose these rules on ourselves and it creates so much suffering. Like you probably will get it all done. You'll get the three deliverables done. You'll somehow find a way to get the cake made as well. But like how much joy will there be in that process? And so my question for you is what, and this is a tool that Johanna and I love to use with clients, right? Looking at that inner narrative that is causing you to feel compelled to say yes versus to say, let me think about it or to, to manage expectations a little bit better. So what's the story in your head that is holding you back from setting better boundaries with clients? I think what it comes down to is wanting to please them, just really wanting to be the A student so that they can think, I can always rely on Diana to do jump through any hoop. (laughs) Yes. And so by saying something like, yes, I can do this and I'll get it to you by Monday versus get it to you by tomorrow is the fear that that will somehow let them down or they won't Mm -hmm. think you are on top of things. Yeah. I guess that, that when, when I break it down that way, it's about disappointing them. It's like, Oh, I just, I don't want to disappoint them because I know that they're under pressure to deliver this and they've got a big presentation coming up or they're trying to take their company public or there's, there's always, you know, the rebranding there. And there are genuinely big pressures on these people. So All right. So let's work it with her, Kim. The fear, if I say no or set a longer timeline or don't respond right away to their needs, I will be disappointing them. Mm -hmm. When you think the thought, I'm going to disappoint them, how does that make you feel emotionally? Scared, I guess. Mm -hmm. Less worthy. And when you feel scared and less worthy, what do you immediately do to course correct that? (laughs) How does that make you act? I kind of (laughs) freeze. I don't know. I, um, you forget yourself. I go and look for a snack. I mean, I just find some distraction. Yeah. It sounds yeah. like you say yes right away. You're like, okay, yes, I'll get it to you. But you know, like you're quick to uh, put their their deadlines ahead of your own creative process. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's so true. Yeah. And would you say, Diana, that that has served you well, that kind of being responsive and not disappointing people and getting stuff done on, has that been part of your success strategy? throughout your career? I I don't know if it's part of my success strategy, but it really makes me feel good. It makes me feel so useful. I am so busy. I've got so much to do and I am going to get it all done. And isn't that great? And aren't I just great? It doesn't necessarily mean that I'm more successful. And I, I realize that. Yes. So your ego absolutely is attached to this pattern. It makes you feel good. It makes you feel worthy. It makes you feel safe. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so you just put up with it. But it sounds like there's a big cost or toll, feeling scared, frozen, overwhelmed. Mm, Overwhelmed is a big one. Can't get it all done. And it sounds like it may actually also affect the output. The very thing, right, that that you still deliver good work, but like if you didn't put so much pressure on yourself and have such tight deadlines, maybe you could deliver even more, it sounds like. I think that's true. I mean, especially for something like big picture campaign where you're really trying to envision a whole story, you need some space in your brain to come up with that whole story. Yeah. And your ego is really scared of that. So let's, let's use the, the, the tool that we love called iceberg where from Byron Katie that we both, the teacher we both love and respect, you have to take that all or nothing fear. So when you hear something, you're going to disappoint them. Would you say that to someone 
you know, your child or a friend or a loved one, if they tried to have a boundary with someone and you immediately said, well, if you have a boundary, you're going to disappoint them. Would you ever say that to someone who's trying to create some kind of boundary in their life? No. Okay. Definitely not. Okay. So that's kind of the way Kim and I know when fear is trying to keep you in a structure that keeps you safe, an old structure, when you hear an all or nothing statement, like you're going to disappoint them, you usually believe it hook, line and sinker. But from this point on, you might fall for it, Diana, but you're never going to believe it hook, line and sinker because it's just trying to keep you safe. So let's reverse the statement. If I take some time to think about my true timeline and set a boundary, I won't be disappointing them. Can you wrap your head around that, that you won't be disappointing them if you actually think through your actual timeline and deliver that news? Why won't you be disappointing them? I won't be disappointing them because, ooh, I don't know. It's so, it's so cemented in you right now that you will be disappointing them. Why, if you take your time to really come up with a thoughtful timeline for them, it won't be disappointing them? Because it gives me the space I need to do my best work. So they might be getting some really good output from you. Why else won't it be disappointing them? Are they on your timeline in your egoic head? Do they even know what you're going to say? They're just waiting for your response. That's a good point. They have no expectation that I'll... (laughs) It's not like they... It's not like they said, we need it by today at five. And you're saying, no, what you said is they asked, how soon can we get it? Right. And so there's this assumption that, oh, it has to be as soon as possible. Right. Which uh, your definition of as soon as possible might be very different than theirs. Exactly. the, the, The problem is instead of coming up with an answer, that's a really great way of making it that clear to me. I'll say, when do you need it by? Instead of just saying, you know, I think I can get it to you in three or four days. Instead of just coming up with an answer... I never want you to ask that question again. When do you need it by? That is completely giving away your power as a creative. They don't know your, your process or your mind. That's right. And by saying the way the creative process works is I need a couple of days to let it mm-hmm. build to, to whatever you say, right? Mm-hmm. So that I can get you something that, that is, is really what you're looking for. I can get it to you by Monday. I actually think that not only will they not be disappointed, that they will actually tr- trust and respect you more yes. mm-hmm. if you were to set that boundary. Right. I think that's a really good point because otherwise they're like, well, why isn't she working on other things? You know, why isn't she... Yes. You know, supposedly an expert in her field. Why is she so right? That's right. I always equate it with like when you're trying to book a doctor that you really need to see, they're like, I'm sorry, we can't see you for three weeks. And it's like, okay. Or we need to see you between this hour and this hour. You're like, okay. People, when they really need something, want something, they're flexible to get it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. your ego says, oh, they're not going to want to work with you. They're going to be disappointed in you. But that's just an old strategy. I don't know where that comes from, Diana. Is there, was there anything in your past that you felt like you had to please someone in your, in your world and they were disappointed in you? Does this go way back? It's all family related. Uh It's totally family stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up in a family where I was absolutely the, whatever, the overachiever, the person who kind of cemented, I don't know, held it all together, the glue. (laughs) So what's the new story? Like, I would love for you to state it in your own words to that, you know, that would make you feel much more empowered and confident and comfortable setting realistic boundaries with clients. 
What is it you can say to yourself? I think I need to tell myself that I, you know, trust in my own process and I can get back to them when I have either, either I come up with an answer that is based on what I want, you know, my own timeline or else I delay. I actually feel like it might work for me to sort of delay answering it and say, let me get back to you at the end of the day when I have more information. That way I can think through it. If I'm sort of on the fly and thinking like, I don't want to just say Friday or Tuesday, I'll just say, you know, let me get back to you at the end of the day. I have a couple of things to figure out. I think those should be built in responses. Either I can get back to you at the end of the day because you need permission to think through it. Right. That's the new response. Or you never say again, well, when do you need it? That's off limits now. Okay. You know, another really interesting turnaround is I'm disappointing myself. You know, you're so worried about disappointing others. How has this old behavior disappointed yourself, Diana? Yeah. I mean, it makes room for everyone else's needs and it does not allow me the space I need to kind of flourish. It's absolutely about letting everyone else's energy suck everything out of me. And it's it's maddening. It probably right. gets missed. Yeah. Yeah. How would you show up differently if you truly believe deep down inside that setting healthy boundaries based on your timeline is actually going to enhance your client relationships? Like if you really believed that, what would you give yourself permission to do differently? Probably work fewer hours. <laughs> Sorry. That's the first thing that comes to mind. Wow. And what would that feel like for you? Would that be delicious? Yeah, that would be really nice. Really? Why? What could unfold if you worked a couple fewer hours a week? I would love to spend more time outdoors, just kind of wandering around, you know, wandering around Mill Valley and doing creative things. Like I, you know, I write poetry and I'd love to take some like collage workshops and just really kind of play more. That's what comes to mind first, but you know, it being springtime here and... (laughs) I don't, you think that could really enhance your work as well? The, the, the time for you to take a class, the time for you to be outside, the time for you to fill up your creative reservoirs would help your client work immensely. I think it would because, you know, the times when I come up against, when I hit writer's block, I realize I might be hitting writer's block because this is like the eighth high pressure deadline driven thing I've had to do this week. And I'm and, I, and again, because I usually work with five or six different companies, I have a lot of different problems to keep straight in my head. And it's hard to bring that original thinking to, you know, yes. a particular problem to solve when it's got all these other things in there. Absolutely. You know, you're the queen of your castle, Diana, and you get to set the rules because you know your creative process. I know both Kim and I in our work, when we're booking clients, we we explain why the cadence of our sessions or there's a method to the madness, right? I need this amount of time because this is the way my brain works. The more you get transparent with your creative process, the easier setting boundaries will be too, because people go, wow, that's fascinating. Great. Thank you for sharing that with me. Mm -hmm. Right. Never. In fact, uh, that was a huge realization for me because I can relate to a lot of what you're saying. And I used to feel compelled to always squeeze clients in, in the next five days for a meeting. And when I finally realized that I can say, you know, the next two weeks are booked, how's the end of the month? They didn't even flinch. 
it actually worked better for them. I feel like they probably respect my time even more. <laughs> you know? Right. That actually just happened. There was a client I really, really wanted to work with, but I took over a project for somebody who's on paternity leave this month. And we had this great call and I said, I'm so sorry, but I'm completely booked for April. Could we possibly pick things up? And she was fine with that. And it was so nice. I just thought like, oh, great. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I could have fast. And you know, you're probably like a busy working mom and busy working moms get so much stuff done. We are so efficient. We love checking things off the list, but yet we also put these like pressures on ourselves that it all has to be done yesterday, but yeah. no one's asked us to do those pressures. That's right. You know, I don't know if you've read this book, Diana, but Untamed by Glennon Doyle is a book. It's on hold at the library. It's so it's, good. Everybody listening, it's such a great book. But there is a quote in her book that says, I have come to the point in my life, basically, that I would rather disappoint other people than disappoint myself. Mm, and a, that just kind of put my head on. She's the my head. hero. <laughs> oh my gosh. I thought, yeah, how many times do we say, okay, yeah, okay, I can do that. And it's a complete disappointment for yourself, but you're making the other person happy. It's like, yeah. Where did we get those rules? Right. Mm -hmm. And the irony is that we, not only do we respect ourselves more, but we actually gain respect from others when we, when we have the courage to set those boundaries or to put mm -hmm. those lines in the sand. So Diana, it's such a rich conversation. I know so many people can relate to abandoning yourself to please others and how that gets in the way of our work. And so just to wrap this up, if anyone hears that all or nothing voice that says, oh, don't worry about your schedule. Just do do what they need, or you'll be disappointing them if you if you don't get that thing to them right away. Take a deep breath and recognize: Am I going to be disappointing them? Am I disappointing myself? What is something I can do to take care of my needs and set a boundary instead of just reacting? You know, like slow the whole thing down, right? Mm -hmm. And ask yourself: What is that fear that is keeping me? from having the courage to, to say, let me get back to you or to set a better boundary. I heard yeah. recently fear is an acronym for false evidence appearing real, right? It's like, we look for, we look for evidence to support that, that belief or that fear, but it's okay. not necessarily true. In fact, you've come up with a lot of examples for why setting a boundary is actually going to, you know, build a relationship. The problem with fear is when you're feeling it, it doesn't feel false at all. I know. <laughs> like, so that's, that's why time is your angel, right? When you feel your, your body heating up or your heart starting mm -hmm. to beat, that's when you just go to your new phrase. I'm going to get back to you at the end of the day mm -hmm. and let yep. you know what would work best. That's yeah. perfect. Almost put it on a sticky note next to your laptop. Ah. <laughs> Among other sticky notes that are next to my laptop. <laughs> And Maybe the seven-minute workout that's pasted above me <laughs> myself. This was awesome. This was so awesome. Thank you. Thank you. This was great. So you just heard Kim and I coach Diana around how to set healthier boundaries and really get more comfortable with not disappointing herself in order to please others. So our conversation continues, and we got to coach Diana around another pain point of hers, which was her ability to receive feedback. It was not very fun. She kind of dreaded it and she got reactive. So take a listen as we help her flip the switch to embrace feedback for her own growth. 
So I'm curious when you think about, you know, this whole idea of putting others' needs before your own, right? If that's the theme in this, when we think about those times where you said there are other things that clients do that maybe you take that a little bit personally. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes when I'm delivering documents, it's really like it's a Google doc and I've written something and then people go in and they suggest edits or they make comments. Normally I don't care at all because it's not like, you know, this is not my great American novel. This is basically like a white paper or something that has nothing to do with me. But sometimes if people make a comment like this sounds disjointed or this is repetitive or it says the same thing, I take it personally and I feel sort of embarrassed or humiliated or that's only happened a little bit recently. And I just didn't even know what to do with those feelings because I just thought like, why are you feeling picked on? Like this is, they're right. Like, look, look at that. That does say the same thing. <laughs> like, right. So it's kind of like learning how to separate myself from this thing that I wrote, which those, those are not the same. They are not saying you're unacceptable. They're just saying this document, you know, doesn't make sense. And somehow in my mind, they're, they're they can get linked. Isn't it interesting how you said in some, usually you don't take it personally at all. Like you recognize you're not writing the greatest American novel. Like this is their feedback, but then in other situations, you can completely take it personally. So what's changed from one situation to the next? I think sometimes it's about their tone or their demeanor. So sometimes what'll happen, and it's all over Zoom, sometimes like I can tell that they look kind of irritated and I'll just start to think like, oh no, like they don't like me or I'm about to get fired or not fired, whatever you call it. Like <laughs> they're about to terminate the consulting gig or it's probably just bringing up really old family type I'm not, I'm not, I'm not in their approval right now. I'm not, I'm not winning them with them right now. Right. And that's painful. What is the cost or toll on you when you feel this fear and you move through it, but the next time you have an editing session, like how is this cumulative? Do you start to dread these sessions? Like what is the, what's the impact on you and your work? You know, what sometimes happens is, and I don't know if this is a coincidence or not, but sometimes the people that I have personal issues with, sometimes they'll kind of won't show up for the meetings. They disappear is what happens, which is great, but it doesn't allow me to work through the issue. Right. And again, I don't know if that's a coincidence, but but it, it means I can just avoid dealing with that feeling. And they might be avoiding giving you that feedback. If they're not showing up, they don't have to give you the feedback. Right. And I don't know if they're doing that because... I don't know enough about why that happens. Yeah. It sounds like there's a lot of assumptions. Have you ever had a situation, Diana, where you get that kind of critical feedback and you have all these stories in your head, they don't like you anymore. You're probably going to get fired. They don't want to work with you. And then the next meeting, they're really lovely and it's all good. Do you ever have those situations where you're like, (laughs) that does happen a lot. And what, in fact, as you say that, it's very funny. I had a client not long ago where I really felt kind of under attack by one person who was there. And I then found out much later that they had had a, a number of medical issues. And I just thought like, I'm such an idiot that I couldn't possibly think that their reason for being distracted or annoyed or grumpy could be because they're going through something in their life that is really hard. And meanwhile, I was taking it really personally, yeah. like, why don't they like what I'm doing? Why don't they think I'm great? Yeah. It was a good reminder that it isn't all about me, really. It, it's often not about me at all. It's about them. It's amazing how we empower external people and situations to completely 
change our state of mind, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, I love to use the example of you're driving down the road and you're in a great mood and someone cuts you off in traffic and you go from zero to hundred and you're like so pissed off you're experiencing road rage, right? And they drive off blissfully unaware. Maybe they're <laughs> rushing to the hospital because they have a sick child that needs to be, you know, attended to. And we've totally empowered that situation mm-hmm. to change our, our state. And so another strategy for one is to look at like, what is that fear, that story in my head that's causing me to react this way? Like we just talked about something else though, that can work really well is to kind of take a moment to stand in their shoes and just to think about what's going on in their world right now that they, maybe they're looking at me funny, not because they're judging me, but because they are totally lost and overwhelmed in their role. I'm sorry. I just had a funny situation happen where I was with a friend. We were on a walk and I thought something had happened and she was angry at me. Turned out she she finally admitted at the end she really had to go to the bathroom. And oh like, my gosh. I just thought again, it was like in my head. I just thought like, wow, she's not listening to me. She doesn't like me anymore. We're not friends. And then like, you know, we got into our cars and she was just like, oh my God, I have yeah. to go. It's, we never know, but like, so there's two things going on. One, you have to have deep compassion for for yourself because there was something that happened in your family system where it was part of your survival to please and be in good graces with people. So this is a very old wound. Mm-hmm. So that's that's coming up when anyone rolls their eyes or looks at you differently or says your writing's disjointed. It triggers that deep, deep wound mm-hmm. and it's not them. So you realize, oh, this is something that I'm healing. And another thing is, gosh, I look forward. I know this sounds crazy. I look forward to those moments now when they say my writing's disjointed or they look at me, you know, cross-eyed, like, who am I? Because I have a chance to rework the story. So what could be a new story the next time you see this paragraph is disjointed? If there was no story, is there anything wrong with those words? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. They're editing something, right? Right. So what could be the new story instead of they're going to fire me and they don't like my writing anymore? What could be a new story when you see those words? I think knowing like, well, I can fix that. Like, you know, if if anyone can fix that, it's me. I'm a writer and an editor. If there's a disjointed paragraph, I'm pretty sure I can fix it. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. What, and, and, and sometimes asking a couple questions between you going right into action Mm-hmm. what would make this the best paragraph? Like, you know, the questions to ask cause you're a writer, but sometimes when I'm feeling really triggered, I automatically want to please again, instead of going, all right, so tell me a little bit more about why you're feeling that way or the statement so I can get more information. Right. Rather, to turn it around to listening. Right. I, I do think that listening often helps. I mean, in, in lots of situations, certainly it's family type situations or if you're in a fight with your husband or anything like just listening really can be the, the key. Isn't it amazing? Right. But it's so hard to do when we, when our ego is bruised and our wound has been scratched, we are listening with total judgment. We're just listening for them to validate what we already know to be true. Mm-hmm. Right. But when it, when we're listening from the perspective of, oh, they've got feedback, which is only going to make this document even better. Mm-hmm. We listen with curious. If I feel confident in my skills and abilities, and I'm getting feedback from the client on how I can even take this to the next level, I'm curious. I'm asking follow up questions. I'm collaborative, right? If I'm listening, but I'm pissed off because I feel like it's a personal attack on me, I'm yes butting them. I'm critical. I'm very close to any feedback that they have to say, right? So it's amazing the kind of listening when we're in a confident, 
place versus when we're feeling small or insecure or bruised. Mm -hmm. Very true. Diana, what's something you can try the next time you're on a Zoom with a client and you're getting a total vibe? Because I can tell you're empathic. Obviously, you're a creative, empathic person, so you can read people really well, but that can be a blessing and a curse because we read people so personally, like, it's me, it's me, it's me. What's the new story you can tell yourself when you see someone look at you without the best expression on their face in a client Zoom call? What's something that can help you stay really centered? What are you going to tell yourself? I think if I tell myself that they're having a hard day or that they're going through something, I don't know what it is. And, and to stay separate from it, will that would, that alone would help. And honestly, sometimes with Zoom, I just feel like maybe I should just call in <laughs> so I don't have to see, <laughs> to see people's faces all the time. Cause I, I do feel like I, I register so much that way. I don't really think that's a great solution, but. Right. I do think that sometimes just phoning in, if that helps you to stay more centered, try it. Mm-hmm. Or, or you could also say, you know, it sounds like there's a lot of confusion right now. Let's hit the pause button and talk about your thoughts thus far, right? Like if you're presenting a concept and you're reading their body language and they look like they disagree or that they don't like something or that they're confused, mm-hmm. You might say, I'm going to pause and let's, I'd love your feedback thus far. It sounds like there might be some confusion on the call. So share with me what you're experiencing. Mm-hmm. That's very brave of you to say, I wish that would come to me in a meeting. Can you, could you just come to my meetings with me? Cause that's such a like coach way to handle life. <laughs> well, you know, and again, when we're all listening to that voice, that's like, this has nothing to do with you. It's you're probably, you probably ask a version of that question yourself. Like you said, mm-hmm. sometimes you don't take it personally at all. And I'm sure you come to those conversations with that same level of curiosity. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think step one is like Johanna saying, before you get on the call, even knowing, okay, this is the person, or this is the kind of scenario where I have a tendency to sometimes take it personally. Right. You know, part of your prep work is, okay, how am I going to pitch this idea to the client? But part of your prep work is your mental prep so that you can like get yourself in the right headspace mm-hmm. so that when they do get into feedback, you don't, you don't go down that path. Yeah. Right. So actually anticipating it and kind of preempting it by saying like, I, I like that idea because I can't really just avoid it. No, that's when you start getting small in your life and work. Instead, you say, I look forward. I know this sounds crazy. I look forward to the critique. I look forward to the eye rolls because I have a chance to work through some really old patterning inside of myself. Mm -hmm. And as someone once said to me, you're not that powerful. (laughs) I mean, we're on the one hand, we're incredibly powerful. On the other hand, you're not that powerful. Like if this person likes it or doesn't like it, that has so much more to do with them and so little to do with you. Right. Right. But we could talk until we're all blue in the face. (laughs) How fabulous you are. It's you. It's like, right. We, we all have those moments where, and we always say there's like two voices, one on either shoulder, the one shoulder that's like, you got this, you're rock, you're amazing. You're talented, you're gifted. And the other voice on the other shoulder, that's like, you know, you're not very good. You could get fired any minute. They're not going to, it's the, which voice are we going to choose to listen to? And which voice are we going to just say, you are not invited into this room? Yeah. So Diana, what would be, just to kind of summarize this, what would be the two kind of big takeaways you have from this aspect of, of the coaching? What are you going to try out? Well, I definitely will try out 
actively soliciting feedback from Ooh. the people who I'm, that I'm kind of scared of, you know, yeah. just to really come right out and say, I'd love to get your feedback so far and then really listen. Yeah. Um, Lean into it. Yeah. I think that sounds a little scary, but as I say it, I realize that's just obviously the only way to work through it. Yes. And if you come in with the belief, they absolutely love working with me. This has nothing to do with me. Doesn't that make you feel different? Like this is, they've chosen me. I am bringing something to the table. Then you can like let that other stuff happen. And you might even say, I'm really excited about this idea. And in the spirit of collaboration and making it the best version it can be, I would love to hear your feedback. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's like, it shows you're confident in your ideas and you believe that feedback is a gift and that the best way to really just create the best product is to, to hear all voices at the table. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a great approach. You know, what's so funny is this conversation so relevant. I've had two coaching clients this week that literally thought they were going to get fired. Their inner critics were on fire and they just got the biggest bonuses of their life and praise from their boss. And they were like, I was having a, a moment where my inner critic and all the harshness around what I thought they thought of me did not match at all with the results. And it's so interesting when those moments happen, you realize, oh, I've gone down a rabbit hole with my inner critic thoughts. And this is nothing to do with reality. This is crazy. I I, I once interviewed with five different people at a company and it was in Redwood City. And I called my sister on the way home laughing because I was like, oh my God, they hated me. It was terrible. And the last guy was like this Russian guy and he was incredibly intimidating. And I was like, I thought he was going to like bludgeon my kneecaps or something. Anyway, the next day they made me an amazing offer. And I I worked for them for over a year. It was like, Oh my gosh, the highest salary I'd ever earned. It was, I was just like, how, how is this possible that I completely misread the situation? It's incredible. And that is such a good memory, Diana, to move forward with the times when you thought you were going to get fired or, or, or not get the job was the opposite. So this is a game in your head constructed by your fear to keep you working hard or to keep you overextended. It's the hoax is up, baby. This reminds me of a conversation with Erica Gregory, who was a student at Juilliard. And she had to, for four years, I think it was, get nothing but feedback from like so many different people every day, day in and day out. And it's all about the power of feedback, how to give it, how to receive it, how to not take it personally. So what a great challenge that so many of us, I think, can face. So I need to listen to that. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. Oh my God. Thank you so much for sharing this. It's, it is, it's like, I feel like I, I'm constantly reminded when I have conversations like this of my own vulnerability with critique and so wanting to be liked and loved by others and do good work and how this is where we all feel so vulnerable and growth really happens when we face it in a different way. Mm -hmm. I can completely see that. So thank you so much for your insights there. That's all for now. If you are inspired by this podcast, hop on over to InsideJourney.com for more episodes and to learn about our work with leaders and teams. And make sure to subscribe to InsideJourney.com so you never miss an episode. As Brene Brown wisely said, when we deny our stories, they define us. When we own our stories, we get to write a brave new ending. We couldn't agree more. Own your story. Love your story. Share your story. You never know who it can inspire. Thanks for tuning in. Can't wait for more juicy conversations with you next month.